So today we're going to tackle a question. It's a tough question. It's why do bad things happen to good people? One of the biggest objections in the world that we have, uh, that people have to uh, the idea of a loving God is the reality of pain and suffering in the world. So you'll hear things like this. If God is omnipotent, omniscient, and wholly benevolent, then he would eradicate evil and suffering. But the world is full of it. Therefore, he's either not all-powerful, not all-knowing, not benevolent, or in their mind, most likely does not exist. It's a tough question because either God is all-powerful or he is all-loving, but the state of our world suggests that he can't be both is a strong argument if you look at our world because there is stuff going on all over the place. And Christians have been wrestling with this question since the beginning. We can't escape it. It's all around us. Every time a loved one dies, we're faced with it. Every terminal diagnosis we hear about reminds us of it. When we turn the news on, there's a near constant reason to question God's love and God's power. And it's not just out here because it's all incredibly personal because every one of us in this room has gone through or will gone through a personal trauma or suffering of some kind that takes it out of the ivory tower world and puts it right square in our, in our face and in our heart. This is a question for all of us to wrestle with. So where's God in the midst of all of that? This week we're going to look at The Shack. It's a book that was made into a movie a couple of years ago. The Shack challenges us in many ways to look beyond our conceptions or preconceptions of who God is. But hear this, it's not a theological book in the sense that it's not a theological treatise on, on, uh, on God itself. It is allegory. It is story. And you'll find things in it that make you go, wow, that's kind of cool. You know, that, that when Mac, the main character, talks to Father God and then goes to talk to the Jesus or the Holy Spirit, he doesn't have to repeat himself because they already knew because he talked to God because our triune God, you don't go to each one individually and, oh, I didn't know that. They all know. So you'll find those things in it. You'll also find some things that you go, now, hang on. Jesus went to the cross. I get that. But why are there marks on Father God and why are there marks on the Holy Spirit? That's not the way it went. So here this morning, know this, I'm not here to talk about the proprieties or the improprieties of the shack. We're at a series called At the Movies, and what we're trying to do is find theological premises and tenets that can help us in, be in, in this world to, to deliver a relevant message of who Christ is. And the shack, when it comes to this idea of why do bad things happen to good people, that's all about the shack because that it's, it's in the storyline. So here's what the storyline is. Mackenzie Phillips, Mac, is what he goes by. He was raised by an abusive alcoholic father, and, and so he, his upbringing was, was really difficult, but even in spite of that, he found a wonderful woman to marry. Her name is Nan, and so he marries her, and they have three great kids, and they're bebopping along, they're, they're going to church. Mac's faith is a little dicey. If you have an alcoholic, abusive father, the idea of Father God can be skewed a little bit, and I can relate to that. Um, so things are going along. Kate, Josh, and Missy are his kids, and then Missy is the victim of a serial killer. 
and after finding her torn dress and blood in a shack, his life is destroyed, really, turned upside down. And then one day he's in the, they're in Oregon, and he's cleaning the snow out of the driveway, and he slips and falls, and when he gets up, he goes to the mailbox, and there's a note in there. Now, there's no tracks around the mailbox, and, and it's, it's, there's not been a, a, a delivery. But in the note is an invitation to come to that shack. And it's signed by Papa. Papa is the name that his wife, Nan, used for God because she had that close relationship with him. So he wrestled with that. What do I do with that? And then he decides to go. And there he encounters a triune God in many different ways. Let me say this about how God appears in the movie because folks get hung up on this all the time. You know, we, we like to think of God as he, and I got to tell you, that's not scriptural. Papa God appears to Mac in two different forms in the movie. The first form is that of an African-American who happened to be his neighbor. Remember, he's an alcoholic, uh, or his dad was alcoholic and abusive. One day he was walking by, and she was on the porch, and she invited him up on the porch, and she saw that he had been hit. And she said, fathers don't do that. That's not love. And when he meets Father God, God appears in the form of his African-American neighbor, who happened to be a woman. Also appears in the form of a Native American, as one of the stories that Mac told to his kids at, at Multnomah Falls was of the, the Indian chieftain whose daughter, the princess, jumped off the falls to sacrifice herself to save the tribe. And so later, he, the God appears as a Native American chieftain. Here's the thing about God. He's beyond our conception. You know, this scripture, aye, asher, aye, that's when Moses asked, who shall I say that you am? Who, who shall I say that you are? And it's been translated as I am that I am. That's the most common. My Hebrew professor actually agrees with this that it's I will be who I will be. And when you think of God, even in the Old Testament, God appears in a pillar, a cloud, fire. Lots of, he appears in the way that he appears. God gets to do that. God is beyond any conception that we have. He is not a male sitting on a throne. However, if you need a male to meet you, God will be a male. He'll be an Indian if it, you know, in, in this story. He will meet you where you are because God is about, how do I build the relationship? So he will meet you in different ways. And by the way, sometimes he will use us to meet somebody else. And you will be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. So let's go to the kitchen as Mac Challenges God. Everything. You're the Almighty God, right? You know everything. You're everywhere, all at once. And you have limitless power. Yet somehow, you let my little girl die. But she needed you. 
never left her. If you are who you say you are, where were you when I needed you? When all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. When all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. We live in a fallen world. And from that fallenness comes pain. And when that pain becomes overwhelming, it's difficult to see God in the midst of it because all we can see is the pain. It's always intrigued me that the church grows the most when we're going through stuff, going through tough times, when we're going through tribulation. It's as if pain and struggle actually awaken us to the possibility that there is a God. It awakens us that there might be something beyond us. When we reach the end of our experience, when we reach the end of our knowing, We can hear him. See, something can happen for us and in us that opens us to this possibility. And that cannot happen as long as we remain in control. C.S. Lewis had this to say about pain when he was watching his wife die of cancer. He said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. When life gives us pain, we have a choice. We can either grow from that or we can get lost in it. But let me say this as well about pain. None of us desire it. Amen? I can tell you this. I did not wake up this morning and say, Lord, Send me pain. That did not happen. I know that I grow best when I go through stuff, but I still don't ask for pain. We want this idea of living in contentment, right? I want comfortable. I, I don't want pain. I don't want that stuff. But the thing about that is that it's not the Christian journey, and it's not even this world. It's not real life for us. We're going to experience tough days. We enjoy those days of comfort, but it's not the place that we're going to land for all of our lives, and it should not be. Jesus came and engaged with folks that took him out of comfort, and he calls us to go to those same places. Living a comfortable life is not living the Christian life. We enjoy those moments, right? As rare as they are, we, we grab hold of them, but we don't want to stay there. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. I have great joy in the Lord because now at last you again expressed your concern for me. I'm not saying this because I have a need, for I have learned to be content in any circumstance. I have experienced times of need, times of abundance, and in any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of contentment. Whether I go satisfied or hungry, whether I have plenty or nothing, I am able to do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is the context of a verse that gets used for all kinds of stuff. He's talking about being content, 
God will give you the strength, regardless of your circumstance, to find contentment and to live through things that other people are going to really have a hard time with. And it's not that we won't struggle sometimes, but we can get through stuff because of Jesus Christ and because of the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us that other folks really can't. The power of God in our lives. This requires, though, a reliance on God at a level that is extremely uncomfortable. It's a letting go of self and a grabbing onto Him to trust that God knows our needs better than we do. And to let go of judgment. And to let go of, of uh, my, where I place myself when I put myself on the throne and start judging other people. And this is a longer clip. But I wanted you all to see it. Because I think it reflects the heart of God. You don't believe that God is good? Is Missy his child? Of course. Then no. I don't think God loves his children very well. If that's what you believe, Come, sit. You can judge me fine from there. Judge you? Mm -hmm. Do you have something to confess? Now you know what I did. Yes, but you're not the one on trial. Today, you are the judge. Why are you surprised? You spent your whole life judging nearly everyone and everything, their actions and motivations, as if you could even know them. You make snap judgments just by the color of someone's skin, their clothes, their body language. By all accounts, you're a well-practiced expert, Mackenzie. Sit. supposed to judge there must be at least a few who are to blame for all the pain and suffering in the world right uh -huh. Uh -huh. what about the selfish the greedy those who harm others murderers drug dealers terrorists guilty yeah what about men who beat their wives Or fathers who beat their sons to alleviate their own suffering. Let's not do this. Should that man be judged? Yeah. What about this boy? About it. Would you judge him? He's a kid. But you already have. That boy is your father. Now, what about the man who preys on innocent little girls? Daddy! 
Is that man guilty? I would damn him now. And what of his father? The man who twisted him into this deviant monster? I would damn him too. How can you stop there? Doesn't the legacy of brokenness go all the way back to Adam? And what about God? Isn't he at fault? He set all this in motion. Especially if he knew the outcome. You want me to say it? Absolutely. God is to blame. Well, if it's so easy for you to judge God, you must choose one of your children to spend eternity in heaven. The other will go to hell. Can't do what? I'm only asking you to do something you believe God does. So? Who will go to hell? You could choose Kate. She said some pretty hurtful things. She shuts you out. You're not even sure if she loves you anymore. You could choose Josh. He's being disobedient, sneaking out, lying to you. You didn't know that. Mackenzie, make your choice. I won't do this anymore. I can't do this. Can't do what? I can't. I won't. You must. This isn't a game. You have to. You know what? This isn't fair. You must. It isn't fair. Instead of them, I'll take their place. You take me. I'll go in their place. You, you, you leave my kids alone and you take me. Mackenzie. You've judged your children worthy of love. Even if it costs you everything. Now you know Papa's heart. No, I don't understand. Is how God can love Missy. Put it through so much horror. She was innocent. I know. Does he use her to punish me? Because that's not fair. 
and she didn't deserve it. And my wife and my children didn't deserve it. Now I might, because I'm... Is that who your God is, Mackenzie? No wonder you're drowning in great sorrow. God isn't like that. This was not God's doing. Here, stop it. He doesn't stop a lot of things that cause him pain. What happened to Missy was the work of evil. And no one in your world is immune from it. You want the promise of a pain-free life. <laughs> there isn't one. As long as there is another will in this universe, free not to follow God. Evil can find a way in. Remember from last week what your identity is. If you look in this mirror, who are you? Child of God. The heart of God is to love. And we are his children. And when faced with do I send my children to heaven or to hell? What was God's choice? He sent himself to take our place because he wants everyone to be saved. That's how much he loves you. The thing is that there is evil in the world. And we have to face that every day. And the other thing is that we have free will. And normally my free will choices and your free will choices can meet and the result is benign. But other times the result is catastrophic and painful. and destructive. But if there was only one option, there would be no choice. No choice means no free will. No free will means no love, because ultimately love is all about choice. And God is love. So he sent Jesus to the cross us because he knows in this world we're going to have trouble we're going to have struggles and free will is a great gift it's a gift for all of us to exercise in ways that impact the lives of others he gave it to Adam and Eve in the very beginning I have to confess to you that I find myself too often on that judgment seat. From truck drivers in our neighborhood 
to those who don't do the things that I think they ought to do. Why does God allow this, right? Why, why not just take this away? Why not take away free will? Why not just let us be robots and everything <laughs> get along well? You know, why can't it just be easy? There's a couple of scenes in the movie that speak to that. One is where God is talking to Mac, and Mac is frustrated. It's that where the first video clip, and Mac gets mad. And so he says, can I leave? And God says, I'm not interested in prisoners. You can leave anytime you want to. And later on, he's talking to Jesus, and they're talking about religion, and a similar question comes up, and Jesus' response was, I don't want slaves. I want friends. I want family. See, it's the incredible depth of God's love that allows him to let go and allow us to be who we choose. We're created to be in relationship with him. And we get to choose whether we embrace that or we don't. Know this from this morning. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, God is with you in it. He doesn't leave us to journey on our own. He walks with us. Not only him, your family is with you, or if they're not, know that your church is with you. You don't have to walk alone. We can do this together. But know this too, that God's perspective is not our perspective. He sees things differently than we see them. Healing is not always easy. In fact, it's not often easy. We often have to walk through pain in order to heal. As a recovering person, I drank and drug for 16 years. And that when I got into recovery, I had a guy who talked to me about, you know, because I was complaining about having to face some of the things I had to face. And he told me it's like that your drinking and drugging was like walking on a bed of hot coals for 16 years. And I know that now that you're in recovery, you just want to step off and get off the hot coals but you don't get to. You have to turn around and you have to walk back and you have to face the wreckage and face the things that you've done so that you can heal, so that you can become um, the man that you're created to be. You don't get to just step off to the side. And that's the way it works. And that's why healing is not always easy. And so, some of y'all, I know this, are in the midst of stuff. And you know, I'd like to tell you that, it, you know, it's going to be magically taken away, but that's not life. Sometimes we go through stuff. But we don't go through it alone. We never have to. As we close, there's one more clip I want to show. Mac has found the body of his daughter and is taking her to burial. He's not alone because God is with him. The Father the Son and the Holy Spirit, it, when you watch this, you'll see each of them play a role with Mac in this process of, of helping him to begin to heal. And as, you as they walk into the garden, you're going to see shrubs overgrown and plants out of control, and it looks like a mess. And that's one perspective, but I think you'll get another one at the end of the clip.
Does a body good to let the healing waters flow? Those are your tears, Mackenzie. We've been collecting them for a long time. It's all. Just because I work incredible good out of unspeakable tragedies doesn't mean that I orchestrate the tragedy. It's a message from God to Mac and I think to us. Why does why do bad things happen to good people? Choice. And love. You can't have love without choice. And if you're offered the choice, that means there's good and that means there's evil and you have to choose one side or the other. The good news, the great news, is that this life is our choice life, right? The next life, the flesh is taken away and just the spirit and the good remain and all of the trials and all of the tribulations are gone. But we're here and in this world we're going to face 
death and struggle and evil and bad things are going to happen some of those bad things are going to happen to good people and some of those bad things are going to happen to bad people so it's a whole nother message trying to figure out what a good person and a bad person is but we do not face them alone the time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered each to your own home you will leave me all alone yet I am not alone for my father is with me I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart for I have overcome the world throughout the movie God kept telling Mac I'm especially fond of you and Mac finally asked God is there anybody that you're not especially fond of and God said no So I feel pretty comfortable that God is saying this to you because I think it's true regardless of the movie. God is especially fond of you and he loves you. He's never going to let you go ever. As you go from this place, know that and walk into that. May the love of God the Father, the grace of God his Son, the power of God the Holy Spirit fill you, lift you, and lead you each day of this week and each day of your life. Be blessed in all that you do and know that you are a loved child of God. Amen.